All right, everybody, welcome back to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis III, co-hosting with Haggai Davis II, and we would like to thank you for joining our show. Tech Gumbo is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. We also want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital. They connect businesses to capital. It does not matter what business you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of any size, life cycle, category, or location. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance your current debt because of the new government programs and the favorable interest rates, or you're trying to finance new equipment or maybe acquire another business altogether, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When banks cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic they were interested in. They've either visited our website, techgumbo.net, or sent a text to 225-255-0431. And this week's question is, what is Wi-Fi 6E and do I need it? So we, whenever we got this question, thought it would be a good time to make use of our Tech Gumbo platform to go and look at the hardware and see if we could translate it and help digest what are the different standards, what does it mean, and how can we put this into a way that makes sense for people who maybe aren't as versed in all these different acronyms and things like that. So for those of you who might remember the 802.11 standards, the 802.11ac was Wi-Fi 5, and now the Wi-Fi 6 is the 802.11ax standard that the IEEE approved, and those standards are out. So whenever we even talk about these things, this 802.11, it's also important to understand what does that even mean what does that even reference? So the IEEE, the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineers, is a professional agency which meets to make sure that all of your electronics, whenever they start talking, can talk to each other. And so they are the group which is responsible for standards and to make sure that everyone is speaking the same language. And so this 802.11 is the specific standard for wireless communication of your internet. Your, your Wi-Fi uh, all talk to each other on this 802.11. And then so, you know, originally back a long time ago, you had 802.11a, and then they released the next one and the next one and the next one. And every time it got faster, every time it was able to do more, it was more secure, it had all the new features in it. And so at some point, though, they realized that this weird combination of letters wasn't particularly understandable by the general public. And so that's why they made the switch away from AC to 5, and now AX is 6. And so that is where we are. That's how we got here as to what is this Wi-Fi 6. And Wi-Fi 6 is for your bandwidth of upwards of 20 gigabits per second. It allows for more information to flow through multiple channels. Where the older standards, you only had one channel, maybe you had two channels. Now you, in Wi-Fi 6, 
your information can flow through seven different channels. So you get more information coming and going simultaneously. And that's what allows you to get such faster speeds than we've ever seen before. You also can have multiple devices. If each device needs its own channel, in the past they would have to crowd each other out or one would have to go and wait for the other one. Well, now they each can have their own dedicated channel. And so maybe it's not one device which is pulling down all 20 gigabits, but you can spread it out over three or four devices. And so in that way, you're really starting to see this, this power be able to be shared across your multiple devices, all of them pulling down your additional data. There's a term called MIMO, which is multiple user, multiple input, multiple output. And that's just a real fancy way of saying what you just said. A lot of devices all connecting simultaneously, all pulling down big streams of data. And, and that's what's really good. Now, the Wi-Fi 6E is a slight improvement on 6, but wasn't enough to where they did the whole number chains just yet. So the way that it, it works is that whenever it's talking, whenever your computer is talking to your, your router, it is speaking at a certain wavelength, basically. The, the electronic waves are wiggling at 6 gigahertz, as opposed to the old one was 5.4 gigahertz, and the one before that one was 2.4 gigahertz. And so each time you're wiggling at this different frequency, you can travel a different distance, and you can also put in a different amount of information. And being at this two versus the five versus the six allows you to stack them on top of each other and have each one speak differently than the others to have it all happening at the same time. Not to be outdone, Wi-Fi 7 is just over the horizon. By the year 2024, the IEEE should, should ratify the whole Wi-Fi 7 concept. Right. It's in the works already. They have plans for it, but it takes some time to really iron everything out to make sure everyone exactly agrees on all the nuts and bolts and to get the final stamp of approval on it. But right now they're projecting that Wi-Fi 7 will be about five times faster than Wi-Fi 6. Upwards of 40 to 50 gigabits of throughput on Wi-Fi 7. Yeah. That's that's unbelievable amount of data wirelessly. That's is eight gigabytes per second, which is, you know, whenever you think about in the past, how much that would take, how long that would take, it, it just continues to accelerate how fast and how much we're able to transmit. And so if you run out there to the big box store because you need a new Wi-Fi router and it says Wi-Fi 7 on it, it's bogus because there's nothing approved, nothing available, and there's no modems that can connect out of Wi-Fi 7 standard. Wi-Fi 6, however, is out. You can go to the big box stores or online and, and get you a router that does download to the Wi-Fi 6 standards. Yeah, so that is new technology, which has been you know, in, in production for a while, and it is finally arriving for us, the consumers. And as we close about it, what it can do and whenever it gets here. Absolutely. So thank you for that question. We will be sending out the coffee mug this week. 
Thank you again. For those of you who would like a coffee mug, please go to techgumbo.net and send us your question or send us a text 225-255-0431. We're moving uh, into the second half of this segment and we wanted to talk about autonomous vehicles. We dip into this topic from time to time because it's my favorite area to talk about. It's the area I plan to specialize and make my career in, but we thought be, there's some good stories out there that seemed worthy to to make a whole segment around it so we're starting starting off with california has now officially greenlit two autonomous companies to run their robo taxis and collect fares that's right if you're in san francisco and you hail a cab or you know you've used the app that you have to have to to get one of these rides you can sit in the car that doesn't have a steering wheel and it will take you where you want to go right to this point in time it has only been the waymo car in the suburb in phoenix but for the first time san francisco and california have come together to say okay we think the technology is ready for that next tiny little baby step you know this is this is very much not a full rollout this is still highly controlled it is still very much watched and, and all of the different safety restrictions placed on it but it is a pretty important step forward because they're not just roaming around now they are actually charging this is, is actually you could take this instead of an uber and this is in a very fenced in area the the geofencing technology will not allow it to cross the street that is not inside that this area so you're, you're not going to go from San Francisco down to San Jose in one of these cars. You're probably going to, you know, stay in a very controlled area in in downtown San Francisco and and that's great. It's a good first step. Exactly. These are this is the right way to do this. This is exactly as they should be doing it. It is areas where they've spent a lot of time collecting a whole bunch of data about the roads, about how people drive, about traffic patterns, and they, they are setting themselves up to succeed and to not take any unnecessary risks. They want to make sure that they're successful and they believe very strongly that they have checked every box that they can so that whenever it does, whenever the rubber meets the road, that they are successful in their endeavor. And they want to put it in a place that is going to be very acceptable to the technology and actually use it so they can get more data about that. So when they try and roll this out to other places, look, this is what has happened in this part, in this little test area, and it's worked very well. Now let's go try it in other other places. Absolutely. This this step is important that they're moving into San Francisco because San Francisco is a big city. Previously, it had only been in a suburb of Phoenix called Chandler. And so, all right, you know, you're in a, a suburb in Phoenix, Arizona, and you know what the roads are going to be like. It's always sunny, you know, and you have all these kinds of controlled environments. Well, okay, you're moving into San Francisco now. And as you mentioned, it is still very controlled. It's only in areas that they're very comfortable in. But still, you're, you're you're moving into prime time here. You're no longer just sitting back in that tiny little corner. This is an important step forward. And if they can be successful in it, you're much more likely to be able to lobby other major cities to say, hey, we tested in one major city and everything went fine. Allow us to come to Chicago. Allow us to come to New York, to come to Dallas, to come to Miami. We've shown that we can do it. Because they do have weather in San Francisco. Yes. And, you know, 
it changes on a very frequent basis. And so they know they've got to be very ready for all the climate that will happen, the climate changes that happen in San Francisco. So this will be really big. Absolutely. And continuing with big steps that they're looking for, the GM Cruise car is looking to seek approval to have a level five vehicle rollout. It is called the Cruise Origin, and they're looking for it either in late 2022 or early 2023. But it will be a vehicle designed from the wheels up with no steering wheel. That's just unbelievable. I mean, here come the Jetsons, folks. I mean, this is really cool. And again, you know, it would not be a vehicle that exists everywhere. It is only going to exist in their, their very tightly controlled test areas. It will roll out of the factory and it will roll to one of these test cities and you'll be able to get in a car that is not just a retrofitted vehicle, but one that all the passengers face each other around a central area. There's not a not even a driver's seat because you don't need that because there's no concept of having a human driver. Going to be fun to watch. You know, and, 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 and look, this is not just happening in cars. DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, they're trying, they're, they've put this autonomous technology in, in a Black Hawk helicopter. Yeah, the, the more that we can do to get the human out of the driver's seat, the safer that we can make it for the humans. The more that we can reduce the loss of human life, that's the whole point of these technologies. It is, you know, comes with this whole other set of ethical questions that if I just have a machine, I all of a sudden my risk is less. Does that change the decisions I'm willing to make? Am I more willing to put this helicopter in a dangerous location because I know I'm not going to lose my pilot in this fight? It comes with a lot more complex questions that need to be answered, but I would rather have that question to answer than not. Speaking of questions to answer, McKinsey and Company, a, a, a highly rated uh, company, they did a big survey about autonomous vehicles, and we, we came across it, and it asked a bunch of questions. And the first question they asked about how soon before level four technology emerges in in and they they were in North America, Europe, Asia, and different places. Right. They also broke it down into passenger cars versus trucks. And the consensus is for passenger cars that robo taxi in urban areas is probably somewhere about 2026, 2027. It's still a couple years out, still four to five years out before you start to see it in more areas that aren't just the highly controlled areas. But whenever I saw that, I paused and thought about it and said, you know what? I agree. I think we, we're definitely not right around the corner, but I think a decade is definitely a, a very safe estimate. So this kind of four to seven year window, that aligns what was inside of my head. It was also interesting that when they were talking about trucks, big 18 wheelers, and whether or not they would be just driverless out on the open highway versus going from dock to dock. They said that the driverless on the highway are still, it's farther out than some of the level four, level five features in urban areas. And that was surprising to me because they said that the passenger car highway pilot is closer than the 
freight truck highway pilot, essentially. That's when I'd be really curious to hear the thought process behind some of these people, because as I understand it, there's a lot more money going into the freight aspects, because if you can save a logistics company 1% on their time, that's a whole lot of money that you save right there. But if you save a passenger 1% on their ride home, they might not even notice. And so that's that's very curious to me. I, I would be interested to you know talk to more of these people and understand what their thought process was there. The next big question that they asked had to do with regulation and whether or not that was the main bottleneck for adoption of this technology. And everyone overwhelmingly responded, yes, regulation was at least two to one and sometimes three to one, the largest bottleneck for adoption of autonomous vehicles. The three categories were customer demand, regulation, and technology. Which of the three was going to be the biggest hurdle? And across the board, around the world, everybody said regulation, regulation, regulation. And it, it's it's going to take people like yourself getting plugged in and helping lawmakers create the rules of the road. Absolutely. It's something that we've covered before on this show, the problems that the U.S. government has faced, that different bills have been discussed inside of the U.S. government. People have tried to take steps to do something, but the problem is, is that they want very different things from it. And that's much like the gridlock that exists in a lot of aspects of our current political system, it exists in autonomous vehicles as well. And so it's going to be tough. It's going to take a lot of different thinking about how can you have solutions which make different groups of people happy that we aren't currently exploring. They had several other questions, but one we wanted to get to was talking about the strategic partnerships and new market strategies that might emerge because of autonomous vehicles. Yeah, this was a really interesting question. And the, the, some of the ones we wanted to pick out particularly were the question, will robo-taxis cannibalize private car ownership? And this answer was split 50-50. Experts disagree about whether or not Will people have their own private car that, you know, drives them around or will it just be a on-demand service wherever I have an app and I press the button and it comes to get me. And then whenever I'm done, it goes back out into the world and it, it is split right down the middle as to how will this function. Another category was will overall passenger miles traveled increase and they were 60 40 on that. Yeah, that one was uh, surprising to me. They were 60-40 that it will because as a general rule of human behavior, if you make it easier for people to travel, they will travel more. You can see this in a lot of different places around the world, a lot of different periods of time in history. This appears to be just a, a pretty solid rule. And so I, I'm very curious as to that. And... As we have done on many occasions, we will keep our eye out. And as you come across more great stories on the autonomous vehicle world, you'll let us know. Absolutely. I, I love covering the field and I love talking about it. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. 
General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the Southeast United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services team can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strengths. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show reruns Sunday at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or would like to hear this or any previous episode, check out our podcast available on most every podcast platform, including Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Overcast, Player FM, Podchaser, and more. Be sure to subscribe when you're there. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. And if you like our show or if you have any suggestions, let us know via text at 225-255-0431. And if you send us a question and we use your question as the question of the week, we will send you a free Tech Gumbo mug. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.